All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Jess Reveal. Now, she is a diehard hunter who is seriously making a name for herself in the outdoor space. And she gets it done. I mean, if you go and follow along on her social platforms, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about from finding huge sheds to knocking down monster mule deer. It's pretty impressive. And it gets me fired up to plan a Western archery hunt. Like, I cannot wait to go out and pursue some of these animals on foot with a bow and arrow. I think that would be, that'd be like the peak of hunting for me. That'd be so sweet. Anyways, we're in full swing here in Missouri. And by that, I mean we're like a week into archery season. But I'm super pumped because we have a lot of big bucks on camera this year. And I've got a couple that I'm going after tonight that have been coming out during daylight Sometimes in the morning, almost always in the evening, almost every evening, actually. And if I play my cards right tonight, I might be able to put one of them on the ground. We'll see how that goes. I, it's hard to not get pumped up and think it's going to happen every time I go out there. But my game plan for tonight is to go out to my property, go shoot at the range that I put in, get super dialed, super confident, and then sneak into this corner stand now it's right on the edge if if you're looking at like a rectangle that's long top to bottom the top left quarter of it is woods thick cover lots of bedding obviously acorns persimmons walnuts i mean a lot of a lot of woody brows and uh and stuff for them to eat i mean I don't go in there at all. I stay out of there almost completely. I think I go in those woods maybe twice a year. But I've got a stand hung like 15 yards, nah, probably 25 yards into the woods on the corner where they've been coming out pretty consistently. Now, the other three quarters of that rectangle that I was mapping out is all standing beans right now. And the deer absolutely love it. So if all goes well, I will have these two bucks or a number of other bucks that I would gladly loose an arrow at show up on either the east or the south fence line, both of which would give me under a 35-yard shot, possibly down to like 18 yards. So I think I've got a good tree picked out. I think the cover's good. I've got to check the wind for tonight. It's kind of windy, rainy, stormy here right now, but... It might happen tonight. We'll see. Anyways, enough about that. I'm just dreaming. I'm like so pumped up. I'm sitting here in front of my computer recording this intro, but I am just pumped to be out in the woods tonight. So hopefully you guys are finding success. Hopefully you guys are patterning deer, planning upcoming trips. All of that is good stuff. But for now, let's listen to an awesome episode that's going to get you even more pumped up. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. Now, joining me on the show is another super bad hunter. I mean, I don't know how, how to say it. I, I looked at your Instagram right when you first messaged me 
about being on the show and then again uh this morning and man you go on some adventures yeah yeah i do um i'd have to say you know that's the way i live life yeah. going on adventures you gotta take life kind of like by the hand you only get it once so yeah. live it to the fullest and for some reason whenever i'm hunting or whenever i'm out in the mountains doing whatever i'm doing Something always happens to me or <laughs> I'm just one of those people that it's very entertaining to watch when I'm out in the mountains because it's it's always something going on. So there's no yeah. telling what's going to happen. I like the candid moments out in the mountains, too. Like I watch yep. certain hunting shows and you know how they go. They only put little bits and pieces in there. And I'm like, I want to see just like a buddy hunt where they film everything. And then the kill shot, obviously, you get that mm -hmm. at the end. But to just go through and watch people give each other a hard time or uh, like we went on a, on a shed hunting trip down in, it wasn't Utah. It was New Mexico this year. And just the banter back and forth between all the guys. I'm like, I need a whole film crew to get every minute of this because that's what people <laughs> love. They like to feel like they're part of the hunt. Yep. No, I completely agree. It's, I hunt a lot solo. I do a lot by myself. Um, so like this last year that I got last week or two weeks ago, one of those, it was one of those weeks back in the day. Um, I, it's hard to get the kill shot cause I'm always on my own. And yeah. so there's times where I'll put my phone in my vinyl harness trying to get it. And it just, it gets all, all sorts of crazy. So it's, it's, it would be nice to have a film crew and follow me around just so that they could see my little, I call them Jessica isms and they can follow me around the mountain and be like, Oh, there's a Jessicaism right there because I'm I'm either falling down a mountain, stubbing my toe, or I don't know. I'm doing something crazy every <laughs> second. So yeah. yeah, you just need one of those uh like GoPro 360 cameras like mounted on top of your head, and then they can yeah. see and hear everything. Exactly. And then that way too, you know, say a big elk comes in, he's bugling at me. I I can get that shot or I can at least get whatever happens in that moment, you know. But there's there's been times where I'm like, man, I really, really wish that was on film. And it just wasn't, but it's, it's the experience that I love about it. You know, it, yeah. I didn't get it on film. I can't share it on Instagram or TikTok, but I have it here and I have it here. And yeah. I mean, that's kind of what matters to me. So, so you're flying solo most of the time, or do you yeah. basically only do solo hunts? No, I, it's most of the time I'm doing solo and it, my, my husband does hunt, um, but we have two kids. So it's, yeah. it's hard to get us to go together. And then, cause we have, we also have five dogs. I know I'm crazy. No, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Two of them being great Danes and we, it's a, it's a full house. So it's difficult for us to get together, to go hunting together. Um, so he's been super supportive in my obsessiveness over this industry. So I get to do a lot of solo hunts. Um, and then I, I will go hunting with with friends a lot, uh, but most of the time it is solo. So, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I yeah. love being there on my own. I love being kind of just I don't know. It's peaceful. Also, I don't have to argue with somebody where I'm going to go. <laughs> I could just go over here and be like, "All right, well, that was a bad decision. I'll go this way." Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you're hunting with three or four people, they're like, eh, let's do this. And you have three or four other opinions that you have to take into consideration. And it, it can get fun. <laughs> That's I, you deal with, <laughs> I deal with that all the time. Cause like 
when I hunt here in Missouri, typically mm-hmm. I'm by myself unless it's like waterfowl or frog gigging or squirrel. Mm-hmm. But like if I'm deer hunting, I'm like, hey, you find a spot over there. I'm going to hunt this stand or I'm going to hang in this tree. And it's not a big deal. Everybody kind of does their own thing. When we go out west elk hunting, oh man, the amount of opinions is just insane. And strong ones too. Like from mm-hmm. people who maybe have never been to that area, they're like, I want to go check that out right now. Or I just want to sit here all day long. And I'm like, no, you're hunting the West. That's not how things happen here. Like if you just want a bull to stumble by right now, great. I hope it happens. Doubt it will. (laughs) But I'm going to go around that mountain and then that one. And then the one after that. And some people just don't want to do it. And I'm like, side by side keys are in it. (laughs) Like I'll see you back. Yeah. Yeah. Or go enjoy. I mean, early season elk hunting, a lot of it, like I like to sit water, especially out here in Southern Utah. It's, whew, it's hot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll sit water in the mornings and the afternoons, but I get really antsy. I'm like, Ooh, okay. It's been three hours. This is great. I'm going to start hiking. I'm going to start getting as high as I can start glassing, see if where they're coming out of, you know, like they're not coming into the water, obviously. So yeah, I don't, I am, I commend those people who can sit for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. But for that, especially during the rut out here in Utah, that's going to be, that's going to be fun for you. Good luck at that. <laughs> I, I just hate hunting heat. Like I mm. really don't like it. And I think probably because I got my start sitting in the woods in late November in Wisconsin. And it's mm-hmm. like, I would sit on a bucket or a dead log, or I even built my own. It was two by fours and a couple pieces of plywood built my own tree stand ratcheted it to the tree luckily i was like 85 pounds otherwise it probably would have come down um yeah but sitting up there it's freezing cold and then moving down to missouri like our season starts in nine days and yesterday it was like 98 degrees and i'm like why why like this shouldn't be acceptable we should well you have humidity right yeah oh and it's so bad mm-hmm. you walk outside so what part you... of missouri are you from so i'm in southwest missouri in springfield Um, so it's not known for big deer, but I've Mm -hmm. just lucked out in finding kind of a little chunk of, uh, like the country community where nobody really hunts. And so out of 400 acres that I can hunt, I have one person that hunts on a bordering property. And so it's awesome. I see big deer all the time. In fact, I had some come into the trail camera this morning and it's, it's really nice because I can kind of manage them, even though they're going on other people's properties, nobody's killing them except coyotes yeah. disease or a car occasionally. So mm-hmm. you, how so how did you get your start hunting? Because I remember in your bio, it said you guys used to come to Missouri, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's why I was curious about like what part of Missouri you're in. Um, so my dad grew up in Missouri. He grew up in the kind of like the Baldwin Baldwin Springfield area too. Um, and so we spent a lot of summers going out there. Um, I have two other siblings, but they didn't take to his hobbies. Like I did. I, I kind of, we had a, he had a son, so I have an older brother, um, and he's in musical theater and he, he took that route. And then my sister, I call her the smart one of the family. Um, cause she, graduated college and mathematics and statistics. And she's literally the smart one of the family. Um, 
And then I, I took my dad's role and went the redneck way. And yeah. so, um, him and I would spend time up in the tree stand. Um, sorry, it's, it's, uh, he just passed. So oh, it's, sorry. yeah, it, it's tough to talk about him without crying. So I might cry. Good job. Hey, that's but, right. um, yeah, he's, he was a very special person to me. Um, but we would spend time up in the tree stand together and, and his blue jeans and his bright orange jacket he was wearing his walmart white sneakers and he'd be drinking bud light and i'd be drinking hot chocolate and we just have the most amazing mornings the most amazing afternoons together and he's the one who kind of filled that love for the outdoors for me and i i knew that that's where my happy place was and then um i lived in california i grew up in california and kind of didn't i went the route of college um i used to run cross country so i got a full ride scholarship for a division one college out there Dang. did that route got a bachelor's in sports med and then worked at disneyland for three years um and that that was a lot of fun but it wasn't my calling i i always was longing for more and i knew what it was i just needed to get out of where I was and get to a place where I can do what I wanted to do. And Utah was it. And so I moved to Utah and I met my husband and he introduced a bow to me. And from there it was, it was, I was gone. I was obsessed. It, I haven't picked up like I'll, I'll target shoot rifles and I'll, I, I mean, I love shooting guns, but there's something about a bow and bow hunting that I became obsessed with. So that's primarily what I do. I'll, I just bow hunt like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's something special that I can hold, you know, near to me, something, a legacy that he dropped down to me. And then hopefully I can keep that legacy and drop it down to my daughter and my son, which they're already obsessed with deer. So I'm on the right Good. track on that one. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a parent who hunts, I'm like, I just really hope that one of my kids get into it. Right. And luckily my son, my daughter was like die hard about it at first and she's not old enough to hunt yet, but I would take them for rides on the e-bike and every animal that they saw, dad, shook that. And they right. always Kill took it. the T's and made them K's and they're like, shook that Turkey. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, it is like August right now. We cannot do that, but I like <laughs> the enthusiasm. We'll come back yeah. and do that later. And mm -hmm. same thing with deer. I told my son the other day that I went out dove hunting and he's like, what? He, I could just see the disappointment. Like he wanted to go so bad, but now he's in school, which is new to us. Like they haven't been in school at all. So anytime yeah. I wanted to take him, I could. And he's like, when can I go hunting again? When can I go hunting again? And I'm like, yes, I hope this sticks. I hope you love it. And now it's just a matter of keeping that excitement and not making it boring or like too much work or too many early mornings. So it'll be interesting juggling all of that. Yeah. What I usually do with mine is, um, I, I like to drive around a lot. Um, my dad was a truck driver, so we spent a lot of time on the road, just driving around the States, driving to Canada, you know, um, doing truck driver things. So yeah. I, uh, I find peace in driving as well. So my poor kids, they go where I go. I'm the mom. Yep. And so they get stuck in the car, but I think they, they love the driving. But every time we go down a dirt road or 
mom gets a wild hair up her butt and wants to take this crazy gnarly trail that no car should go down. Um, I always tell them, all right, if you guys see a deer, you get a quarter. If it has antlers above its ears, I'll give you a dollar. And so they're constantly on the lookout. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to get them involved and have it fun for them. And then as they get older, like Addie's already gone turkey hunting with me and she, she loved it. And it made me very, very happy. It was, I I think there's a video on my Instagram about it. It's, it's really cute. I'm sitting there calling turkeys and she's just messing with my hat and we're just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun. She's my best friend. So it's, it's good to see that love that she's having. Um, that way when she gets old enough, she can join me in being a badass. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. I think, uh, so I think there's a lot of similarities between me and you and then like our families. So my dad was a truck driver growing up. He did that for years. I mean, all the way through when I was in college, he was still driving truck and Mm -hmm. we would do the same thing. It's like, if we had a trip planned somewhere, I've never been on a plane with either of my parents. It's always in the vehicle. We just mm-hmm. drive across the country, drive to a different state, drive to family's house. And it was the same thing. We would take detours. He found out uh, driving across Wisconsin at one point, he found this field and he's like, Daniel, I'm telling you, there are 300 deer in this field every time I pass it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, like you've pulled my leg with other things before. Sure enough, we do like an hour detour just to go past this field. And it was probably an 80 acre field. And you couldn't see the tree line behind the deer. There were so many deer. And I'm like, I don't understand this. I've never seen this in my life. We've hunted. We've gone in shine fields at night with spotlights just to see what was out there. And Mm -hmm. I've never seen that many deer. And now it's the same thing with me and my wife and kids. Like, we'll hit the road. We've put on, I bet we've put on 100,000 miles this year, just going different places and seeing different things. But I'm going to take, I'm going to take that quarter and dollar trick and run with it because my kids are very um, incentivized my bunny. All right. If you're not using Tacticam's reveal cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt and not only do i get pictures from those cameras sent to me i can also track the progress of the camera the battery life how much memory is left on the sd card and i can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken so i can't think of a better tool for scouting whether it is close to home or in a totally different state so if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam Dot com and use code nomadic for 10% off at checkout. All right, I get asked all the time, so here it is. This is a list of my go-to optics for the fall. First and foremost, I've got my Fury 5000 range-finding binoculars from Vortex. These things go with me everywhere, from hiking and floating trips to fishing trips, and obviously on every one of my hunts. I love these because I can basically replace two with one. I don't have to carry binos and a rangefinder when I've got it all built in to one awesome piece that fits right in my bino pack. Next up is my Razer HD spotting scope. Now this goes with me on all my western hunts 
and I keep it in the truck all fall if I want to glass a field or do some scouting on a current property that I have. You can't go wrong with any of the spotting scopes from Vortex, but the Razor HD is by far my favorite, and I'm excited to check out the new Mini Razor HD. So if you want to see a list of the amazing optics that Vortex has, head over to eurooptic.com, that's E-U-R-O-O-P-T-I-C.com, and enter code NOMADIC10 at checkout to save 10% off your Vortex order. Now, let's get back to the show, presented by Vortex. Oh, yeah. It's it's a, a good way to get them involved, for sure. Like, they... I don't know. When when you were a kid, you got a dollar, and you thought you had the most money in the world. Oh, yeah. You probably can't buy a candy bar with a dollar now, so you're going to have to work your way up there, kids. But um, it's... It's a good way to get them involved and then they start to know what to look for. And in fact, the, the last deer I just shot, Addie spotted that deer. So I named it That's the Addie cool. Buck. Yeah, she spotted the deer and um I I had my hopes out for a bigger one that I've been keeping an eye on. But uh I don't know, that that moment was really special. She spotted him and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm taking I'm gonna take that shot. So Yeah. Yeah, right. it was it's pretty special. Are you playing the point game out there or are you doing over the counter every year? So my deer tag was a point. So it was a draw. Um, and then I have a over the counter elk, which is fantastic. It's, it's a hard hunt. It's very difficult to even get into elk on any bull units out here in Utah, but, um, I don't back down from a challenge. So I keep going out there and I keep working my butt off trying to get into elk. I mean, last week, last weekend I got into some elk, but it just wasn't the bull I was wanting. He was still very, very young. So yeah. um, season's coming to an end, but we also have extended archery. So I have that to go back to your last question. Um, I have a, had a general season deer tag an over-the-counter elk tag, and then I drew an elk tag in Colorado um, that I'll be going to do next week. And then I'm going to New Hampshire for bear, and then I'll be going to Missouri for a white-tailed deer. Nice. When uh, yeah. when do you come to Missouri? November, the early November. So my dad's birthday is okay. November 4th. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do like a memorial hunt for him. We were supposed to go hunting last year, and he couldn't quite make it out. But bless his freaking heart, he stage four cancer. He's out there on his tractor <laughs> and um, he can't, it was bow season um, early November and uh, yeah. he can't, he's never shot a bow. So he went out and he bought a crossbow because he knew that I, I love bow hunting. And so he want, we were going to hunt together. We we're going to shoot, you know, go bow hunting. And so he's out there on his tractor stage four cancer <laughs> plowing land a little walkway so that he can walk down and then he built himself and I a blind with his tractor and um, I'm gonna go sit in that blind that he built for us and that's awesome I'm gonna wear his jacket and he's gonna be right there with me and we're we're gonna get either uh, I don't know just being out there with him it's gonna yeah. be special so um, that's cool yeah, it'll be early November. I'll be out there, and it'll okay. be near uh, Rolla area. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're not that far. We're not far from Rolla. Um, we've got, man, early, like mid to late September normally isn't a time that you're going to shoot a big buck here. But the last couple of years, I've had awesome success. Like late September, deer have just been showing up in the middle of the day for whatever reason. And, mm. but it's tough because now that I like to travel and experience new places, I keep booking hunts and then I'm like, okay, that's four more days off of my archery season in Missouri. Okay. okay. That's, and so I'm like, I have, I, I really want to shoot a buck early or mid to late September this year, because basically all of October I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a buddy coming in from Florida to hunt my property in early November. And I'm like, my focus is going to be get, getting him a deer. And it's, it's a juggling act for sure. But Eric I, is. go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I was going to be going out to Utah. So I took my good friend Linnea. She's never hunted before. And she got a bow and she's like, I'm into hunting. Like, I'm going to go out and hunt uh, mule deer with my bow. And I'm like, sweet. So she drew the San Rafael unit in Utah and we yep. went out there. So side note, maybe we'll chat after this because we found some stud muleys. And first time for me ever archery hunting mule deer, I didn't even have a tag, but I was just kind of like chaperoning her or, or teaching her. And we got into six bedded mule deer bucks in an hour and a half. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And mm -hmm. we never, we weren't able to make it happen. We were like this close. She crawled into 15 yards on one, drew back, stood up. And it, we, all we could see were the ear ears and the antlers. And there was a big down tree in front of it. And so she's crawling. I'm videoing. She looks back. I'm like, draw back, stand up. She does. And all she could see was like the neck and up. Oh and man. You know how mule deer are. A lot of times they'll bound away, stop and turn. And so I told her that before. I'm like, if it gets up and runs, just stay drawn back, wait for it to stop. And this thing, I've never seen a deer go from bedded to a dead sprint like this. And it was gone. I mean, never saw the buck again, but yep. it was definitely the hunt of a lifetime. I said, don't get used to this. If you have that many encounters with big bucks, I, I mean, I'm going to hunt with you forever because nobody has that kind of luck. I know. Just keep her as your good luck charm. Take yeah. her around everywhere. Next time I'm going to take her so we can go elk hunting and see if I can get into some big bulls just around. We had, we had, so in that unit, we didn't have elk tags at all. And a bunch of people were hunting there. We saw them running around on four wheelers and side by sides. Nobody hunted the valley that we were in at all. It was like surrounded by dirt roads. But like the animals just felt safe there. Mm -hmm. And we had, we had a bull. I still haven't come up with a name for him, but I thought it was a bear at first. We were sitting on this rock ledge and I just hear like, Rrr. and I'm like, mm -hmm. there's a bear. Like it's going to come out <laughs> of these woods. And after about five times of just making that sound, I heard the same sound followed by, and I'm like, mm -hmm. Like, oh, man, it's a I, I'm like so pumped. I'm like, why don't we have an elk tag? This sucks. And then he came in. He was within a hundred yards of our tent that night. Uh, and another bull sounded like a younger, um, but mature bull just screaming within a hundred yards of us. And so we're like, just we're like laying, laying we've just got a tarp. We're laying it on our sleeping bags and we're looking at each other. Like they might <laughs> run right over us. Like they're getting closer and closer. 
And we ended up seeing one during daylight at the end of season. And it was a good six by six with like probably 35 cows. Um, but yeah, Utah is insane. It, it is. Leave it to Utah to get you into some big mealies. I, there's something about, like, I love elk hunting. Elk hunting's amazing. They're amazing animals. I mean, you can call them in. Um, there's something about mule deer that I, oh, I get the itch. I, I love those animals so much. Even when I see a doe, I start freaking out. Like, it's 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 a deer. It's a mule deer. Yeah. It, there's something quarter. about exactly it's a quarter yeah where's my quarter <laughs> i should have i should be a millionaire with all the does i've i've seen i guess but um yeah leave it to utah man it's it's utah's fun to hunt in and like you said if heat is a big one especially if you're doing bow hunting out in the early seasons because i i don't know well missouri season for bow is what it starts early november september 15th so it starts september 15th oh it's close it's close. Yeah. Okay. It's really cool. close. So yeah, it goes from September 15th until the day before rifle season, which the dates for that change every year. Um, and then late season picks up after rifle and goes into no or into January. Okay. Yeah. You guys kind of have a long season. Oh yeah. Well, so do we, I guess it's similar, but, um, our, I mean, our bow season starts mid August and it is hot. Um, I mean, you're, you're hunting elk in a hundred degree heat, depending on where you go. I mean, you can go up into the mountains and hunt elk up there, but yeah. and a lot of people do that and, um, they, they'll overlook the desert elk because yeah. there's elk in that hundred degree heat. There's going to be elk in those deserts where you think there's no water. Those elk know where there's water. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's why you sit water early season because, other than that, they're going to go to water. They're going to bed down. It's way too hot. They'll come back to water. Um, yep. it's, it's a tough hunt. It, it takes a lot of mental strength to, to keep going. I mean, you're wearing, you're wearing camo. It's not like you're wearing shorts hiking through the mountains. You got to wear pants. And that's why it's so important to get pants, you know, that are vented and that you feel comfortable in because you're going to get uncomfortable and yep. you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable when you're hunting that heat like that. So um, I, that's, I, I love it. I'm pretty good with the heat. I prefer cold and I get cold very easily, but it's very difficult to hunt in the cold for me. I'd prefer hunting in the heat, even though I dehydrate myself every single time, but it's, it's fun. <laughs> I should drink more water. I suck at drinking water. <laughs> the things we do to chase animals, put our bodies right. through the ringer every day. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're hunting over these water holes, uh, do you hunt like the morning over water and then do you go look for them bedded or how do you play that game? Yeah. So early season, I'll sit water in the mornings. Um, if they aren't coming in and I'm not seeing anything, like I said, I'll get antsy. And so I'll start hiking and I'll go up to see in glass, see if I can find any movement, see if I can find them bedded down. If I do find them bedded down, I'll keep an eye on them and kind of discuss my next option. Do I, you know, try to make a stock on them bedded down, which usually I'll probably end up doing because I get impatient (laughs) or I'll just keep an eye on them and, um, or I won't find anything and I'll go sit water again that afternoon and hope that something comes in. And if not, then I'll end up glassing the next morning and 
I mean, that's what I did this year. It, it was, I, okay. So story time. Yeah. Last Walk me year. through the hunt. <laughs> yeah. We're like getting ready. Okay. Story time. So last year I was hunting a water hole and I had a, a bull come in. Um, and I won't sit, I'll sometimes sit water right on the water, but I also like to kind of cut their path. So figure out their pattern and where they're going to the water and kind of cut them off before they get to the water. Yeah. And so that's what I did last year. And I got a shot on a really beautiful bull. Sadly, uh, I, I hiked over 15 miles and tracked him for weeks and I just could not find him. So that was really upsetting. Um, but that's bow hunting and we can get into that. Uh, but the whole time, at this different water hole, there were bulls coming into that water every morning, every night. I mean, just coming in. And I didn't realize that until it was the end of the season. And I'm just like, I just chose the wrong water hole. Um, so it it's all about patterning them and figuring out, okay, they're coming to this water hole. I need to go over there. It's, it's elk are very difficult. For me anyway, because I, I love mule deer hunting, but um, early mornings sitting in a water hole is what I'll do for the early season. And then as the season starts going on, I'm I'm out glassing, I'm out hiking. So now I'm just hiking my butt off trying to, I'll go from ridge to ridge. I'm one of those, like, I'll go up on a ridge. I'm like, oh, well, there's nothing here. Let's just go one more ridge. I'll hit that ridge. There's nothing here. Okay, wait. Let's go one more ridge over here yep. and we'll, we'll see how that one goes. And I'll just, we'll end up going ridge to ridge and, oh shoot, we've done 20 miles. My bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> you need to bring like an IV bag just to keep yourself <laughs> hydrated. My buddy, Brad, if he drinks too much, so he, he was an EMT. Now he's a flight medic. And if he mm -hmm. is like super hungover <laughs> the next morning, you can guarantee he's laying on his couch and he's giving himself an IV <laughs> to rehydrate. Yeah, that's a thing. I um, even when I did the cross country thing back in the day, I always had a problem with drinking water, and I, I, I think I don't know. I don't like water. It's doesn't doesn't taste great. It's water. It's just I don't know. It's it, it tastes great when I'm thirsty, I guess. But um, I won't go out and and drink it, and yeah. that's my biggest problem. And I'll I'll always end up in the hospital getting IVs. It's you think, you think a do, person would learn. <laughs> do like liquid IV or propel or something. Then it has some flavor. Liquid IV is good. Yeah. I like liquid IV, but I also get so caught up in the moment. I forget to drink. Yeah. I don't know if you do that, but. Oh, all the time. Yeah. On yeah. that, on that Utah hunt, I don't know how much weight I lost, but it was like every day it'd be like, wake up, maybe have a cliff bar or something. And then it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, look, there's mule deer a mile away. Let's go after them. By the time we're done, I'm like, okay, we haven't eaten. It's four in the afternoon. We haven't drank very much. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'll bring a bottle. I'll be like, oh, we'll just do like a morning hunt. And then I plow through that water and then don't have any. This last year, we dug a hole in the side of the mountain where like this water was trickling down and we just filled my jet boil with it and boiled it. And then just drank like the nastiest sludge water you've ever seen right off the mountain because we didn't have any. And both of us were like, we are so far from camp. We're so far from any water filtration. We just have to drink something. But both oh, yeah. of us, I mean, it takes it out of you when you don't drink it. 
but also in the moment, if you're seeing animals, there's no time to stop. Yeah. You just, you end up forgetting. Well, have you ever heard of the grill? Mm -mm. It's it's so it's a water filtration system in in a bottle. And so Mm. I carry those with me wherever I go when I'm backpacking. Um, I've even done it with elk wallows. It doesn't taste the best, but it, they, so it's, how do I explain it? You fill up the cup and then you press down and it filters that water and you can drink it within seconds. Dang. And it's just a water bottle that you carry with you. I guess it's, you can have like the life straw and stuff, but this, it filters the water and you can see how clean it is and it tastes really good. And so I bring that with me just in case I run out of water or I don't bring any water with me. I'll bring a monster though. I love bubbles. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will make sure to drink a couple monsters throughout the day, but water, uh, maybe not. Exactly. The bubbles just taste, there's something about bubbles that are so satisfying. Yeah. And the first thing I want to do is down bubbles and not water. So my poor little heart, it's, she's probably beaten pretty fast nowadays, but whatever. It tastes good. And you only live once. Yep. What's your monster of choice? Purple. Zero purple. sugar, the purple. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do the uh, mango loco. I just had that one last night. First time. So good. It's, it's good, but the purple one. I haven't tried the purple. I'll have to try that one. You have to try the purple one. It is so good. We, uh, oh, lost video. There we go. There you are. Um, Yeah, Monsters. I always get like the big 16 pack at Walmart and bring them out. And then Mm -hmm. typically halfway through my elk hunt, I have to go and get more because I'm downing a couple of them a day. And yeah, it's probably not good going from like 700 feet of elevation to 8,000 drinking more monster than water it if if i have a heart attack on the mountain at least i go out in a great way yeah just look at the trees and know that there's deer and elk just chilling with you but it honestly it's good to know that i'm not the only one that is um unhealthy about it oh you should see my i'm i am the healthy one at my elk camp i mean those guys i don't know how they function every day I'm like, I'm going to bed. There's animals to kill. And they're like, oh, we'll finish off one or two more bottles of whiskey. And I'm like, all right, you guys, <laughs> good luck it. with that. I'm going to kill a bull tomorrow. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Um, I don't I don't drink a lot when I'm out hunting um, unless I like it's a social thing and yeah. we're drinking. I'm like, all right, well, I might as well join. But I have insomnia, so I just don't sleep. And so... Okay. Yeah. And I, I have like this obsessive thing about where, I don't know if you do it too, but say the whole day I checked out the spot, didn't see anything, everything that I thought was there wasn't there. And so I'll sit there and stay up all night, just sitting there on Onyx maps. All right. That didn't work. Okay. But they could be patterning out. I know they're coming here. And so I'll be obsessive with where I'm going to go the next day, what I'm going to do the next day. And, um, I just, I don't sleep. And so yeah. usually elk hunting or hunting in general, I'm, I'm working on three, three hours, three hours of sleep mostly just, Dang. but it, it works for me because I'm used yeah. to it. Yeah. And you're used I to it. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't function without sleep. Like during season it, that's a different story. You know, like I'm just pumped up. I can wake up that fast every day for season mm-hmm. outside of season. I'm like, I only got seven and a half hours of sleep last night. I'm dying. (laughs) 
Right. And now with the kids being in school, they go to school early. Like we have to drop them off at seven twenty, And I'm like, that's crazy. I don't remember going to school that early. I feel like it was halfway through the day before they dropped me off. Um, yeah. But waking up early, I'm like outside of season, forget it. I'll set 15 alarms and just push, push snooze on everyone right, during season. There. I don't even oh, need an alarm. I'm up. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You get antsy if you're not up yeah. before a certain time. Like I'll check my phone. Okay. It's four o'clock. All right. I got 30 minutes. Cause I usually get up around four, four 30 during yeah. hunting season. But when it's off season and I don't have to get up for no, no reason whatsoever. Uh, that snooze button is, is a good old friend of mine. And then oh, my yeah. husband, he likes to have probably, like you said, like six alarms. And so they're just going off constantly. And, oh, man, I, I feel bad for him. I have kicked him out of the bed multiple times telling him to turn his freaking alarms off. I am not waking up. You wake up. Yeah. And he's one of those deep, 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 deep sleepers. And so he doesn't wake up to his alarms. And that's why he has so many. And yeah. I'm the one that wakes up to a pin dropping. So <laughs> that is I'm the same with me and my wife. It's like, <gasps> she, I mean, if a fly lands on something, she's like, what was that? What was that? Yeah. Where, where, she's like where, shaking where? me awake. It'll half the building could be blown away by a tornado. I probably wouldn't wake up. <laughs> yeah. I'd wake up and be like, Oh, what happened? And start renovations. Yeah. And that's, I, I, it's a big joke with us. If someone were to ever break into the house, um, I have the gun next to my side <laughs> of the bed. Because I'm the first one to wake up and he'll probably wake up and there's just going to be dead bodies on the floor. Like, oh no, <laughs> babe, don't worry. I, I got I it. it. I got it. And he goes, oh yeah, well, well I'm glad that you got okay, snooze. And he'll go back to bed. I got to clean up the mess. Well, with five dogs, you shouldn't even need to sleep with a gun. <laughs> right? Especially two of them being Great Danes. If yeah. any if anybody ever tried to enter the house, it, it'd be one hell of a racket. That's for sure. <laughs> Cause I got the, so I go from, I like to go extremes. So I have extreme great Dane. She's yeah. about 170 pounds. And then I have an extreme tiny little puppy and she's five pounds. So oh I got a Papillon, I got a great Dane. And then in between, I got a duck dog, a wiener dog, and then another great Dane. So yeah. I love dogs. I don't understand mm -hmm. cat people. And I really don't understand <laughs> like cat people and dog people that have mm -hmm. both. I'm like, if you have a farm cat, that's one thing, but mm -hmm. to have a house cat, like those things hate you. They act like they're better than you all the time. They are. They judge you. They'll they sit do. there and look at you and judge you. It's like, I don't need your judgment. I'm getting judgment over here. I don't need <laughs> your furry little judgment over there. Exactly. A dog. It's just like, they know look. when something's up. Yeah. It's like <laughs> everyone else is judging you and they're like, you're the greatest human being I've ever met. I just want more pets. Pet me, please. I'll give you kisses in return. Yeah. <laughs> I love with, animals so much. Oh, it's it's great. And like all the different hunting sports that you can use a dog for. That's that's my thing. Right now, we don't have, like we've got a property, but we don't live on it. And I keep telling my wife, I'm like, I'm going to have so many dogs once we live <laughs> on property. Like there's not going to be any stopping me because like going rabbit hunting with my buddy, watching his beagles work going mountain lion hunting out in Utah, watching his whole pack work yep. duck hunting. I've got, I've got one dog that's in training in Texas right now. We'll get him <laughs> back mid to late November probably. And so that's been weird because I have a dog, but I don't have a dog right yeah. now. And so having him back, I'm like, he's going everywhere with me, but I do, I want like a cool lap dog 
that just follows me around. I don't want yep. one that's yippy or that acts like a cat, but if it just follows me around everywhere, I've got my whole truck loaded with dogs. I'd be more than happy with that. Oh yeah. And that's kind of how my great Dane is. Um, so my two great Danes, they're my shed dogs. So I'll actually teach them to go shed hunting. That's sweet. Uh, yeah. And so they're, they're the ones that follow me around and just chill with me. Of course, they get me the attention that I guess I crave. Sometimes people want to pet the great Danes. So, yeah. and I mean, they're so loving. And one of my great Danes, the older one, her and I are very, very close. She saved my life. Uh, yeah. I was out shed hunting one year um, in a snowstorm. Me being just, it's a Jessicaism. I don't care if it's raining, snowing. I still want to go out looking for antlers. I want to go out. Yeah. But I ended up getting lost. Um, and I couldn't, all the landmarks that I had placed were covered by the storm. I had no idea where I was. I couldn't see any mountain around me. I couldn't see the sun. Um, I got lost till two or three in the morning and search and rescue was out looking for me. It was Holy cow. serious moments of my life. And that's when I really dove into Onyx maps and really appreciate that app yeah. and whoever <laughs> and whoever decided to build that app because it has saved my life now. But um, when I was lost, I had Remington. She's the Dane. She stayed with me by my side the whole time. Um, and it was in a blizzard. We were freezing cold. So we cuddled up next to each other and she, I, she, she knew exactly what I was trying to do. And she st stood by my side. She kept me sane. She's, she's the one that kept me from panicking, you know, right. like don't panic when you're lost because you're going to end up more lost. You're going to end up not okay. And so yeah. she kept me grounded. She kept me moving and we ended up getting found by someone with a great Dane puppy. No way. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And, uh, I actually wrote a book about that whole thing. It was, it was so traumatic to me. I was like, I need to write it down. So I don't forget anything that any feelings I felt, any, um, I guess, experience that happened from all of that. So I ended up writing a 20 page essay. That's <laughs> awesome. That thing. Yeah. It was, I'm going to have was, to check that out. Yeah. I love a good getting lost story. I've been a part of, I haven't been lost yet. Hopefully with Onyx, not ever. Um, yeah. But my buddy got lost in the Arkansas woods for, it was about Ooh. 24 hours. And the whole thing, it's hilarious. I did a podcast with him about it. It has nothing to do with hunting or fishing, but it's all <laughs> my account of what happened and then his account of what happened. And it's just crazy. I mean, it, it can happen that fast, especially in the mountains with how quickly the weather changes <laughs> with how vast the landscape is, it happens all the time. All right, how many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope? Trying to untie it, it's all knotted up and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you, but those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1,100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you could fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or, I don't know, if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120-foot canister, a 70-foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. 
So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. All the time, even with people who are experienced, I mean, it it does happen. And what was scary too is my phone was at 2%. So, you know, cause I'm out there during the day and as it starts to get dark and that, that's the thing. When I was out there, I think the scariest moment was when the sun was going down and it was starting to get very dark. Yeah. I knew I was nowhere near my car. I knew I was nowhere near where I wanted to be. I didn't know where I was and the sun setting and then just that feeling of it going from light to dark and no one knows where you're at. It yeah. was, it's, it's unnerving. It's very scary. So Yay. I don't think I'll ever do that again. Yeah. Or just bring your great Dane with you. You'll be all right. Yeah. I'll bring both of them now this yeah. time. That way I got two worms on one side. Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh my goodness. I oh, can't and then imagine. From the whole thing, I didn't even find shed. Oh no. <laughs> that whole thing. I didn't find one shed. If, <laughs> I, I mapped, I like when I got back, I went on Onyx maps and mapped out because I found this dirt bike trail and that's how I got back to the main road is my cross country skills came in handy and I took this trail that someone was obviously on that day and I followed it and I just ran and ran and ran. Cause if I, they say, don't move, stay where you're at when you're lost. Yeah. I, I never would have been found. I was so far out. There's no way no one would ever find me. Yeah. And so I just kept following this trail and I, I mapped it out and I ended up running about 24.7 miles or something like that. Yeah. Holy so God. I got my workout in. Hey, I would not be doing that. I'll tell you <laughs> right now, I can run for very short distances and then I'm done. <laughs> my buddies are all into running and they started doing like these ultra races and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not built that way. Like they're all like six foot tall, 165 pounds. And I'm like five eleven and one ninety five. I'm like mm-hmm. people like me don't don't run long distances. We lift. <laughs> yeah, we we lift. That's it. I love running. Um, I there's there's always been something about me in running. Um, like I said, I find peace in driving. It's the same with running. There's a moment when I start running, I hit this. I call it like a runner's high almost. Yeah. I hit the it's a wall. And once I get past this threshold wall, I feel like I could run forever. And I'm in this zone of just peace. And I know my favorite is to run trails. Yeah. And so 
I'm out in the mountains running trails and there's just this peace that comes with it. And it's, it's a healthy type of getaway. Yeah. So that's why I love doing it. It's, it's a good getaway for me. Yeah. I, I can understand the concept behind it because in college I would, I would run like, I just throw headphones in. It was always like five miles, right? Nothing mm-hmm. crazy. And I would just go run, but it was in town. It was like on the edge of the road. Once I go down hiking, I'm, I can hike all day long. It doesn't matter how far I'm like, dude, just put me out there. And I hiked a trail in Arkansas. One time we had a flood coming through. I had to get the vehicle and move it around like around probably 25 miles around this Valley so that we could get out without having to cross the river the next day. And I did it and I was like, you know, I'm going to see how far, how fast I can make it down the trail. And I just booked it. I mean, like as fast as I could run and it's steep, it's like 2,200 feet of elevation change, I think. And so some of the spots I had to like go slower, but Mm -hmm. I was just like sprinting down it. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. I feel like a wild animal right now, just booking it through the mountains, trees flying by. So I could do that. But my buddies keep trying to get me to the Buffalo river trail, it's like 34.6 miles and they want to set the record for it, how fast it can be run. And I'm like, I'm not going to go with you on that trip. I'll hike. Maybe I'll like set up camp, have a snack for you when you come by. But Yeah. When you come by, give them the waters. (laughs) Yeah. I'm out there. I've got signs like you can do it, Brad. Yeah. Uh, Go, go. (laughs) But like trail running is totally different. Anything outside I can get into, but the whole like treadmill people who run on treadmills, I think they're probably cat people. Yeah. I call them treadmills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I can't do, I can't do treadmills. I need to be out running. And, um, you said you ran with headphones and music. Yeah. So in college and in high school, all, all the times I was running, we weren't allowed to wear headphones. We weren't allowed to listen to music. Um, so I'm used to just, I just go out and run. I won't listen to music. I really just take in everything around me. Yeah. Uh, so I guess music would be nice to to run with, but I, I don't know. I don't See, run I'm, with it. I'm like that when I drive, because I do a lot of these trips like out West for hunting or down to the Southeast. And my friends think I'm crazy. If I, if they're in the vehicle with me for like five minutes and the radio's not on, they're like, turn it on. I've done like 18 hour drives without listening to a thing before. And I don't know why I'm just like, I'm just going like my thoughts can go wherever they want. I'm Mm -hmm. just driving. I'm not worried about singing along to a song or hearing an advertisement. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm wired that way. Maybe it's the truck driver in us. Yeah. Cause my dad did that. It, Oh, it would be so funny. We, we would go hours and hours without listening to any music out on the road. And I'd look over and he's always doing this. Just his head is just constantly moving. And I'm yeah. like, dad, what are, you, what are you doing when you're doing that? Like, why, why do you drive? And you're just sitting there like shaking your head. He goes, oh, well, when I'm driving, I have a bug splatter on the windshield. And he's trying to get the bug splatter to go in and out of the white dotted lines. And it's a <laughs> game that he'll play when he, when he's driving. And so I'll, I'll start to do that. And I'd rather do that than listen to music sometimes. And yeah. so maybe it's the truck driver in us. We just find the peace in driving and we don't need the music. We don't need the ads or the podcasts. We just want the drive. Yeah. That's good. I, yeah. I've never really put too much thought into it. 
I used to play the game like if there were fence posts on the side of the road, I would like time it out when the vehicle was between the fence posts. And mm-hmm. I'd kind of be like, now, now, now. <laughs> no. and it, it, I don't know why I did it. And I was, someone was like, dude, you're OCD. And I'm like, if you knew me, you would know that's not the case. Like, it's just <laughs> something entertaining to keep doing. Mm-hmm. It just makes the drive that much more fun. Not even fun. It just makes it more, I don't know, unique to yourself. Yeah. It makes it more peaceful, more, I don't know, for you. So that's, I I mean, I have so many memories in a truck with my dad and just not listening to anything, having good conversation. There are times where we won't say a word for hours and I just sit there and I'd be in my thoughts. He's doing his little bug thing. And 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 that's all we needed. Just the time together. There's times too, like truck driving aside, he'd call me. I don't know if you do this with anybody, but he'd call me just so that we had each other's company on the phone. But we won't say a word to each other. We just have each other on the phone for eight hours. Like we'd yeah. have eight hour conversations of not really saying much. We just have each other's company. He was the my audio, best friend. The audio file would just be like flatline all the way with like little <laughs> spikes here and there. Yeah. Like you still there? Yep. Okay. And then keep going. You still there? <laughs> yep. Okay. Keep going. That's it, cool. It's, yeah. I, those are phone calls I miss, but. Yeah. It's, what a. Not not to take away from this, but I feel like the listeners are probably like, okay, bug splatters, timing it <laughs> out in between fence posts. Um, we I went do down wanna, a rabbit hole for sure. Yeah, that's all right. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah. I want to hear about your deer hunt, though, because you just had a successful deer hunt. Mm-hmm. What yeah, was that? It, I mean, was that in Utah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I before I had that successful hunt, I had an unsuccessful hunt the week before and it was very, very draining and, um, discouraging. So I'm going to talk about the unsuccessful one first. Okay. I, I had a feeling I, and I'll drive around and I'll look at mountain ranges. And if I get this gut feeling like there's something in there, I'm going in and yeah. that, that's, and I'll look on Onyx maps and I, I find it better to really just walk in, see the fresh sign see if there's any bucks, deer, anything. And so that's what I ended up doing. I walked two and a half miles up to this ridge and I sat and I just glassed, I think for like three or four hours. I'll glass one spot for a very long time because things can just start popping up and they did. And so I started glassing up does everywhere, smaller bucks. And about two miles out, like probably four ridges over, I see this bachelor group of bucks coming down over the saddle and they were messing with the oak brush and they were, they were very big, very big bucks. I'd have to say 180, 190, close to 200 inch deer. Yeah. There was four of them. And I'm like, all right, there they are. There's, there's the deer. I knew they were in here. I knew it. And so I sat and I watched them. I watched them bed down. I'm like, okay, I have time to get over there. It's about two miles out. Let's play the thermals. Let's play the wind. What's going on. And so it was in the afternoon, the wind was going down. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, I can't go up and around them because that they'll, they'll get me. Yeah. So what I ended up doing is I hit the bottom. I blew out so many deer, but I, they didn't care. I was pretty far away where they didn't, and there was moo cows around. So I didn't think blowing out the deer was the biggest deal just because moo cows can blow them out too. Yeah. And so I ended up 
just hiking down these ridges around them. And I went two ridges past them to kind of go up on top of them and, and then hike up the ridge. And I wanted to end up right on top of them. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I didn't think I, it would work because I was by myself. I didn't have a spotter to tell me if they were still there to tell me if I was in the right spot. And so I went around and I, I got up on them and I look and I, I just see antlers just chilling. And I'm like, Oh my God, it, it worked. Like, here we go. I'm, you know, I'm downwind from them. This is going to be, this is going to be good. How far away are you at this point? 40 yards. Yeah. It was an amazing stock. I was so pumped on myself. Like I was like, yes, Jess, you did it. You're like, good job. I was giving my word, like myself, such words of encouragement. How many um, dollars is that worth? Cause I mean, you saw four big bucks, but I mean, stocking, you got to throw a five or a $10 bill in there. You know what? I'm going to go with like, I'm, I'm pretty $63. I earned okay. that day. Okay. 63. <laughs> Very specific. Um, but yeah, I, I saw the deer I was, I was checking out and, um, he was bedded down. And so all I could see is his antlers. And I mean, they were just, he, he was, he was beautiful. And so I drew back and I started raking leaves and bushes and stepping on sticks to get him to kind of jump up. And, um, he jumped up. He had no idea I was there, but when he got up, his butt was directly facing me. Like it was just his butt. And then he went out and I just saw antlers and I'm like, well, this is great. I can yeah. shoot him up, but yeah, it heart shot. Yeah. But that's a really small target compared to the broadside target that I would have. And so I let in and he just walked forward, just eating. And so I kind of stalked around this juniper that I was, I was in and I saw him raking this oak brush. And so I just saw his face and his antlers. And so I stepped behind the bush. I drew back and I was waiting for him to kind of walk forward. Well, he decided to take his little jolly time and didn't walk forward for what felt like 10 minutes in full draw. Cause if I would have let in, he would have seen me yeah. because his face was out. And so I held this draw probably for a minute or two and I'm just shaking. I, I mean, my arm is shaking. It, I'm having issues holding this bow up. My bow is really heavy. Um, and so finally he walked forward and when I went to, to aim and get, you know, my sight where I wanted it, I just could not stabilize my bow. I was, I was just doing the circle thing. And if I would have let in, it, he would have spooked. And so I just like, all right, let's do it. I got it. And so I took a deep breath. I got it and I released and the shot was just a little high. Um, oh, I'm, I think I hit him in the air pocket. Uh, I, I found his blood trail we followed it for about 400 yards and then it went to a cow water trough where there's cows everywhere on it. And so if there was any blood trail, it was gone. Um, I kept tracking him for a week after that, kept going to the spot, seeing if maybe there were buzzards around, if there was a smell, uh, there was nothing. I never found my arrow. So I think he's alive. I think he's going to make it. Yeah. I think I air pocketed him. But that feeling of failure was awful. It was so discouraging. This 190, 200-inch buck that I just put the stock of a lifetime on, and I botched the shot. And I, oh, it's, it's moments like that where you're like, all right, I'm hanging my bow up. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve this. And um, you can either go that route of the negative talk, or you can go the route of, you know what, Jess? Yes, you didn't get him. 
but failure leads to success. So guess what? Now, you know, take your time. Don't rush the shot. And if you have to let in to give a good shot, let in, take that chance. Um, And so I pushed that really nasty, discouraging feeling aside. And I, I learned from that, that moment, that mistake and this other buck that I went and got, um, I went to a completely different spot. I didn't even want to go there. I've been there. I, I didn't, I ended up not finding the deer over there. So I just kind of left that spot alone, let them kind of chill, ended up at this other spot. Um, so Addie was with me at this moment and she spotted this buck and, um, we watched him for a while. I watched him bed down and it got dark. So I was like, okay, well I'll get him the next morning. And so I kind of watched him bed down the next morning. I ended up going out there and he was still bedded down, but I got out there to the point where if, when he got up in the morning, we would cross paths because I knew where he would be going just from watching him the night before his pattern to get to the bed. I was like, all right, he's going to come this way this morning. And he did exactly that. He came, he got up, I was in 30 yards of his, his route. And from that failure story, when I pulled back, I was like, Jess, take a deep breath. Don't rush the shot. You're fine. Just aim. And my biggest thing when, I don't know if, if you do this, but when I go to shoot, I like to like, okay, where did like, I'll move to see where the shot hit. Yeah. It's always been a problem with me. And so when I go to like take that shot, I have to remind myself, do not move, hold your bow. Even after he runs away, just hold it there. Do not look at the shot. You can look at the shot when you find him. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. And I, I hit him so good. It was a beautiful shot. He was kind of, he was facing me, but his body was quartered to me. So it was like a hard quarter. Yeah. And I got him right through the ribs and went through the liver. It went through his guts, which was, it, it, it was fine. And then it actually went out his ass. So I got a complete pass through and, um, I tracked him. He went down in about hundred, 150 yards. Just, it was a really good feeling. Dang. And yeah, Addie helped me with, with finding him. And it was just a really special moment. And, um, I had dropped her off at the sitter to go get to do that morning hunt. And so when I found him, I FaceTimed her and she goes, did you find the deer? Did you kill him? And I was like, I got him, baby girl. I got him. And so she's all pumped. And it was, it's a, it was a special moment for sure. And, uh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And that's what I like to like tell people, you know, if, if you had a moment and it wasn't successful in that moment was discouraging and you feel like you're an awful hunter because you screwed up this one moment, don't let that discourage you just learn from that failure to find success elsewhere. And that's what I did. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. We, I used to work for a company and their, their motto is fail forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, anytime you fail, just do it forward. If you, if you let those negative thoughts, it's going to make you take several steps back. You're going to be in a worse position than before it happened. But if you can learn from it and even hearing from like NFL players, all of their most memorable Super Bowls were the ones that they lost. They're like, I can remember everything about that. I can remember the things that I did wrong, the things that I did right. 
the things that the other team did better, and they actually remember more about the Super Bowls that they lose than the ones that win. Yeah, it's it's a good way to, I mean, it's kind of like the same aspect where if you think about sadness and pain, that's easier to cling to and have an emotion of than yeah. it is to be happy. And so you just, you got to get in that mindset. Everyone fails. If you want to it people who are successful, they failed at one point yeah. and you just, you need to have that, try to get that positive mindset, especially while hunting and bow hunting for sure. Uh, I mean, everyone, I don't know, even the, the professionals, they, they have had moments where they have shot an animal and couldn't recover it. It's, it's hunting. It's not killing, you know, and it happens. It sucks. And it's the shit. Sorry. (laughs) It's the the shittiest feeling in the world. Um, But if you can keep your head up and just keep doing what you love and you learn from it, then you can be successful and great the next time you have that opportunity. Absolutely. that's kind of what I, I live by. Also, FAFO, which is F around and find out. Oh, <laughs> those are the mottos. <laughs> Surely you have those both tattooed somewhere, right? <laughs> I, you know, you'd think I would, but you just need. No, I don't. <laughs> you just need FAFO across your knuckles. Right, FAFO. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I can be a little gangster then, like FAFO. <laughs> or like the I inside of your lip or something. Yeah. Oh, I hear those tattoos actually start to fade through time, though. I would imagine they'd fade pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like think about an injury, like on the inside of your mouth, it just goes away within days. So yeah. And surely... I don't, I don't, I don't know the point of the tat. I like for people to see my tattoos, like yeah. on my hand. I don't know if you can see them, but I got a little horny toad. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, my, my big thing is when I'm out uh, elk hunting specifically, if I find a horny toad, I'll grab him and he's a good luck charm. So every time I spot a horny toad, I end up getting into elk or seeing a big buck or something really awesome happens. And so I'm like, you know what? Horny toads are good luck. I'm going to tattoo one on my hand. Keep one with you all the time. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if you've seen my TikTok or Instagram, but I I do like this little critter catching thing. Yeah. And I love to catch critters when I'm out there. So I'll I'll find snakes. I'll catch snakes, um, tarantulas blizzards anything that i can catch i'm out there doing little episodes of critter catching jess's critter catching is what i call it but steve Irwin hunter That's... yeah exactly i'll even do his accent sometimes like oh might i got a gopher snake over here and it's just like i don't know i'm making entertainment out of it that's awesome what's uh what's your next hunt this year i'm going to colorado next week for nice. elk yep mid rut or preseason rut going into the rut i'm super excited hopefully we can get into elk i don't know i might be going solo we'll see but yeah. if i do I, I have friends out there that'll help i charmaine lives out there too so yeah um, and call her up and i'm excited it's gonna be a lot of fun i i'll probably do some elk hunting just any bull unit out here this weekend yep but i'm gonna be preparing for colorado for next week for sure man I'm so jealous of all the states out there that you can go and mule deer and elk hunt. I don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I love whitetail hunting, but if I could hunt like three, four different big game species every year, like right around home, that'd be so sweet. Oh yeah. It's, I feel pretty blessed um, yeah. to live in Utah, 
I, I'm not going anywhere. I love the state so much. It's beautiful. It's my home. Um, and like you said, I have so many opportunities to hunt. And if, if you want to hunt elk, there's, there's states that do over the counter. Utah does over the counter elk. Uh, yeah. Colorado does over the counter elk. Um, it's, you have a wide variety of states all around Utah where you, you can end up going big game hunting every single year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty blessed with that. And where I specifically live in Southern Utah, I live on a very good, good unit with good bucks in it. And it's not very hard to draw out as a resident for bow, especially. So I'm blessed. I get to hunt either every year mule deer or every other year. So it's, yeah, I, I feel pretty lucky to live here for sure. I've been putting in for points in a bunch of States and this year I didn't draw anything, but I'll still be traveling. I'll spend quite a bit of time Southeast, some out West, but I'm just waiting for that day where I draw like a moose tag or like a really good unit for mule deer or elk. So anyway, in Utah specifically or like Nevada, um, really just anywhere. Like I've been putting in for Utah. I've got the most points I have is in Colorado right now. And my dream is an archery moose hunt, like in Alaska, preferably, but Colorado, I think my Alaska hunt will happen before Colorado because of the point system. Um, yeah, you can draw pretty quick in Alaska, right? Yeah. There's over the counter moose tags. I mean, there's over the counter, almost everything in Alaska right now. So, and it, like the flights are the most expensive part and a tag for a moose in Alaska is way cheaper than a moose tag in Colorado. Like even (laughs) after I put in for 20 years in Colorado, the tag will be $2,400 unless it goes up by that point where you can get that same tag in Alaska for like, I think it's 900. So we'll see. But um, before we, I don't want to take up all your day before we hop off though, where can people find you? Where can they follow along? Where can they see the critter catching and the critter catching? So you can go uh, visit Jess's critter catching on TikTok. Um, I do a lot of TikTok videos. I know TikTok's kind of biased when it comes to hunters and like showing our harvest and showing yeah. all things that are really fun about hunting. But I I, I kind of do it well and get get through the TikTok ban. Yeah. Um, so they can find me on TikTok at Jessica Reveal. And then my main thing would be Instagram. And so they can find my Instagram on J Brigade. So it'd be J underscore Brigade. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes. And I know we didn't get to everything we wanted to talk about. I hate to cut <laughs> like this New short. New Zealand and stuff. I but... know, New Zealand. Uh, but I've got a meeting here that started technically one minute ago. I don't know if they're Ooh, here yet. Sorry. But I can talk a lot, so my bad. <laughs> hey, same. I mean, I'm a podcaster, so I'm used to it. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you hopping on. Good luck this season. Good luck this weekend hunting and for your Colorado hunt. Thank you so much. I will keep you updated for sure. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. Seriously, best of luck to Jess on this upcoming season and to all of you guys. I hope you guys are getting out there. I don't care what you hunt. I don't care what you fish. Just get out there. Enjoy creation. Chase after some game animals and try to do some new things. There's so many opportunities. And that's why I talk about all this stuff on the show, because I want you to know there are so many cool opportunities out there for you that you can do some of them every year. Some of them you might have to wait. 
and that just builds anticipation. For me, I need to get out and chase animals out west with my bow. I haven't done that yet. I think next year is going to be the year. This year I was hoping to, but with scheduling, with Sam getting pregnant again, like there's so much happening that I don't think I'm going to make it. I will be out there for rifle season. I will be bouncing around to a lot of states here in the Midwest and the Southeast, but it is very high on my priority list to make that happen next year on top of that. Well, shoot, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that's super high because I might make Alaska happen next year. I really want to go up and do a moose hunt with my bow. So stay tuned if you want, if you're interested in that. Also, you guys have to come up to Wisconsin next year. Come up for Bowfest 2024. And if you do, hop on the Bowfest website and register now. Make sure, though, to use code NOMAD24 at checkout. That's going to save you $10. The price is going to go from $89.99 to $79.99 when you punch that code in. And that's only until the next price increase. So no promises on how long it will last. That's why you got to go do it now. And I hope to see you there. Stop by the booth, pull up a chair, chat with me, share trail camera pictures, success stories, whatever that may look like. And hopefully we can find some time to walk around the courses and actually shoot, go listen to music. I just love meeting new people. I love hearing about people's passion and desire to get outdoors. So remember, code NOMAD24 at checkout, and you can come hang out with me. Look forward to seeing you there. But for now, get out in the woods. And if you're out there, please be safe. If you're in a tree stand, wear a harness. I hate seeing pictures or videos or hearing stories of people falling out of the tree because of a tree harness, like, or because of a lack of tree harness, I should say. So please be safe out there, whether it's there, out in the mountains, in the marshes. Take the measures you need to to take care of yourself. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.